0: because they don't believe in rights for people. They don't believe in uh, people voting equally. That is anti-American. If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Uh, welcome to Disruption Now. We haven't we haven't done live in a long time. So anyway, panel, it's good to have you all back here. My man, James Today. Amisha Cross, we are here to talk about the legacy of RBG, what that means, panel, and, and, and how it ties to black lives and black lives mattering and equality. So, um, and I'm actually going to talk about the Breonna, Taylor, uh, the Breonna Taylor case very briefly because the two tie in, follow with me. Everything when we talk about civil rights in this country, black, black rights in particular, is more tied to the Supreme Court, who's on the Supreme Court, than anything else. <clears throat> Don't believe me? Take a little brief, brief, very brief tour in history here. Dred Scott case starting there. During slavery, Dred Scott sues, as you may know, for his right to uh, for freedom because he was living in a free state for about four years, and he said because of that, laws of that state should apply. And he went to the Supreme Court, and you could probably guess how this is going to end. They said, "Nah, Negro." They didn't probably say Negro, but that's neither here nor there. You don't have those rights. You're not a citizen. Doesn't apply to you, sorry, end of discussion. Fast forward about 40 years, 40 plus years, we've had a civil war, Lincoln is there. The Republican party is founded on giving equality and getting away and getting rid of slavery. Very different now, but that's neither here nor there, I digress. That's how it was founded then. And then they were in largely in power and they passed the third, in order to overturn Dred Scott, that case I talked about earlier, they passed, they made sure that we were citizens, theoretically, they passed the constitutional, three constitutional amendments, the 13th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, the 15th Amendment, giving us the, getting rid of slavery, making us citizens, giving us the right to vote. Seemingly, right? Seems like that's pretty clear. Now, just think about what it takes to get a constitutional amendment. Two-thirds of the House and the Senate have to pass it, two-thirds, that's nearly everybody. We can't get two thirds of them now to even agree. The sky is blue. Like you can't get them to agree on anything. Right. That's that's because the sky is
1: orange in certain parts of the country. Right. Okay.
0: Point. Thank you very much. (laughs) But even if we all agreed that the sky was orange and they were looking at the same view, people would try to argue that is purple. I mean, I don't know. They would just make it up. If it was raining outside, they would say it's sunny. Like you get my point. It's actually always been very hard to get things done. And it's very hard to get two thirds, but it doesn't even stop there three-fourths of the states had to approve this thing. So you had nearly the whole entire country agree that Black people should be included as citizens. But the Supreme Court said, once again, hold up, nope, nope, nope. That's not how we interpret those amendments. We don't interpret them that way. Therefore, you can be separate but equal and essentially erased all those gains despite being constitutional amendments, despite having control of all the states. The Supreme Court's The Supreme Court of the United States took away the rights of African-Americans and they lived under the terror of domestic terrorism of Jim Crow. That's what led to all the things like the Black Massacre of Wall Street and all those things that happened over and over and over again, because we still had no functional rights because the Supreme Court essentially yanked it away. Okay, people might say that's a long time ago, but hold on. The war on drugs and and the rights that were taken away from mostly black people, you're supposed to have a right against, uh, rights against unreasonable search and seizures. this thing called the Fourth Amendment, one of the original amendments to the Constitution. Somehow, when it applies to Black people, it just doesn't apply anymore. And so starting a case called Terry v. Ohio, that started stop and frisk, which I know every Black person in America understands stop and frisk. Fast forward to the Breonna Taylor case, people now are, are, are outraged that none of the officers were directly charged in this case. And everyone's blaming lots of people. They're blaming the attorney general. They're blaming the system in in, uh, in uh, Louisiana. And I'm not saying those don't play a role, but they are a part of a larger system that's in place. And the biggest role is the Supreme Court of the United States. And when people think about these things like that's not, that's that's usually not in the general part of the conversation. And for, I can tell you those on the right, it's been a, they've been strategic about it. Like Amisha, I'm going to start with you because I want to have this conversation. The right how they think about judges, they've got it down to a science. They start recruiting you in law school to make sure that you go to the Federalist Society so they know your views, so they know what they're going to be. And Democrats, I got to say, the only thing that, that Democrats usually talk about is Roe v. Wade. And I'm not saying that's not important, but usually the conversation doesn't get to Black lives and the Fourth Amendment. And so we have to understand why this is important. But do you think the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the profound impact that could have not on politics, I don't look at that's too easy, but on what's going to happen to rights in terms of the direction of this country. Do you think Democrats now, both the voters and the elected leaders, will be more strategic and really understand what's at stake?
2: No. (laughs) Quick answer is no. I think that what we've seen is a marketplace of ideas where there are Democrats who now, at least in the interim prior to the um, November 2020 election, so show some level of concern because it got down to the wire and those four Republican senators that many Democrats were counting on to basically stop the vote for a Supreme Court justice who would um, now replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Those hopes are all but gone. I think that what we're seeing right now, um, in addition to an influx of major cash, the Democratic Party, make it plain, um, $90 million, uh, the largest fundraising overhaul the Democratic Party has ever seen was given within 26 hours of RBG's death to not only uh, Joe Biden's campaign, but also Senate races and other, other down ballot races. So I do think that there are people who fully acknowledge and understand the role of her passing and what that means for for you know a lot of the progressive policies and the progressive laws that we've seen put in place. But I don't think that writ large, Democrats fully understand the role of the courts. And I say that because time and time again, we've seen strategy after strategy from Republicans, not only at the federal level, but also at the state and local level when it comes to advancing judges and making sure that their, their electorate understands the importance of judges to maintaining a stronghold on certain elements of society, be it whether that is what we've seen at the state level. The reason why a lot of women's reproductive rights have been taken away isn't because of Roe v. Wade. That's still standing policy at the national level. And we saw that you know the Supreme Court still holds that. But at the state level, we saw over 450 bills passed within the past six years, specifically aimed and targeted at stripping Roe v. Wade apart at the state level. And a lot of those bills were passed, and um, and actually, you know, substantially pushed and strongly supported by judges um, at that level. So I think that when you're talking about the Supreme Court, not only at the federal level, but also the Supreme Court of various states, the, uh, the understanding from Republicans is that you want to get people in office who are going to be able to pick these judges who will help push the agenda that supports the Republican party and what Republican voters support and stand on. Democrats don't necessarily have that same strategic ideology when it comes to judges. Historically speaking, the appointments of judges have not moved Democrats. Democrats don't vote on it and it's actually hard for Democrats to fundraise on it. This will be with RBG the first time in our nation's history where Democrats have actually been attentive to um, these these judge appointments. Now, t- only time will tell if this actually lasts but I think that because of RBG's standing in America, because of um, her progress not only in terms of women's rights, which everybody touches on, but also in terms of civil rights and in terms of LGBT rights, in terms of the rights of teachers and the rights of um, people in the workplace and workers' compensation and healthcare, she had a, a bed of a policy and ideas that basically spanned multiple generations, but also she was a progressive before being a progressive was cool. And she gets a lot of kudos for her work within the women's rights movement, but she did a lot outside of that. So I'm glad that you pointed to some of the civil rights um, wins of the Supreme Court, but we also have to bring those up to modern day. And without her casting some very important, um, some very important judgments on those things, we would not be where we are right now. And I think that all of that is up in the air and Democrats, to be honest, um, there are a lot of Democrats who are effectively upset at not only her passing, but also the acknowledgement that President Trump is more than likely going to get somebody in to fill that seat before the end of the year, be it whether it's before the election or in the lame duck session, and that is perfectly constitutional, and that that does change the shape of the courts, which would leave Democrats only a couple of options, either expanding the court itself, meaning adding more seats, another thing that's perfectly constitutional, and what has been talked about among many, um, adding Puerto Rico and DC as states,
0: yeah. James, what do you think? Do you think Democrats understand that like, at this moment, like finally, <clears throat> I kind of related to a story. I'll be very quick on this. So my my sister, as many of you know, passed away, but she helped me uh, not be afraid. And uh, the first fight I ever had was against this bully. And he just kept pushing me and pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. And finally, one day, you know, I well, my, my sister actually pushed me to do it. But anyway, I, I did. I, I did end up getting into a fight with him and I won the fight. And, I, and he backed down from that point. Do you think Democrats finally understand? They, they try to have this. They, they think like pointing out hypocrisy of what Republicans have done is going to work. These people don't care. Do you think they finally understand they're going to have to respond in kind in order to actually get things accomplished? Or do you think we're still going to be here in status quo state? What do
1: you think? No, no, they I don't think they have any idea. Um, the Republicans and the Republican tactics haven't changed. Um, They've been when- consistent. Yeah, when when Mitch McConnell snatched Merrick Garland away from Obama, it was clear at that point what was going on. Um, the, the none of this, none of what has happened, is not foreseeable. Um, when Kennedy steps down so that Kavanaugh can get in, I mean, get in, that is being strategic. That is understanding that hey, you know, there's uncertainty in the future, so let's figure out how we can. This is important to us. The the, the concern I have and I don't think this is Democrats and Republicans, I think this is Republicans and versus Americans, is that Republicans want what they want more than everybody else wants what they say that they want, because Republicans are just willing to lay more on the line and go after it more. And that's not to say I'm I'm admiring that, because I think that involves breaking the rules uh, and doing things that you shouldn't be doing, um, but in breaking the spirit, or the spirit and the letter of the rules. So I'm not... Val, trying to trying to valorize that but at the same time democrats have to know what they're up against uh well let me say that the democrats should recognize what they're up against because it hasn't changed the same tactics have been going on and yet they've still like joe biden is out here right now talking like he's going to bring all these republicans back to the table and their things are going to just be just like 1983 when he gets elected <laughs> so i see that and i'm saying well no like The Republicans have demonstrated that they're going to act in bad faith when it comes to this stuff. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to act in bad faith, but that means that you have to prepare and you have to approach them in a way that no, they're not going to do, just because they say that you should do something doesn't mean that they're going to do that themselves. And you can still go against somebody like that without blowing up the whole system, but you have to recognize, you have to admit to yourself that, hey, they are not going to approach this with a level of honor and a level of of decency that I would do it. So therefore I have to I have to deal with them in the way that they act, not in the way that I want to act.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Tunde, you know, what is your thoughts here? The fact that when you look at this to get to Jane's point, could it be that if First of all, Joe Biden and Senate Democrats have to win. That's one thing, because if they lose, this is a mute argument, like whatever. But like if they win and they don't actually do something impactful, can that actually break democracy? Because people will just lose faith in them. And then we just go into we go into a state where, you know, nothing really not only nothing changes, but we have these significant rollback and you have people that invest in by invest, I mean, vote for. Democrats to see some change, and all they get is the same thing because we're gonna have because there's there's no there's nothing substantive done. So my question is two, is twofold. One, will this be the last stand for moderates in the in the Democratic Party if they don't do something significantly to show that we're trying to move the ball forward in terms of equality and rights? And then two, what has to be done? What should be the strategy from your point of view in terms of in terms of where we go from here? Obviously, it's a really big turning point. In American history,
3: yeah, no, great questions. Um, I generally agree with 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 Amisha and James's uh, sentiments coming into you know my my turn to talk here. Um, I'm not sure with regards to the question about the moderate Democrats versus you know if this is the last stand. I think there's a part of that that actually is true, only if we compare you know the Democratic Party as maybe a lagging example to the Republican Party where. Republican base voters got upset at the moderates and the kind of establishment in the Republican party, let's say during the Bush administration was like the last straw. And then that led to the Tea Party, which led to a purge of pretty much all moderate Republicans from national Congress and Senate. Uh, maybe there's a few left in the Senate. But that has then led to a polarizing environment because you have more um, fringe and further right people in office that don't want to compromise and don't have moderation in their mind and they're winning I, and they're, let's yeah, say and they're and winning but well, then that they were put that there back,
1: not to compromise
3: well that Correct. that goes back to james's point so then it creates the environment where it's just the ends justify the means and you get rid of what might have been norms because he makes a good point in this in, in um, making a distinction between breaking rules and just breaking norms because there are there is a difference. Um, And, and I think, you know, my concern would be unfortunately that, you know, the democratic party will probably end up going down the same road as much as, you know, the right likes to call everybody that claims they're a Democrat to be, you know, ultra lift and liberal. The reality is people like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are actually moderate Democrats. They're not AOC. They're not Bernie Sanders. So, you know, I do feel that there is a risk that if the moderates don't prove themselves in this election, and then thereafter,
0: to your point, yeah, that, that, that's that's um, really my point. Like yeah, we don't have think, to do everything I they say, that, but they got to do something.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that by let's say the midterm of twenty twenty two or the you know the next big election of twenty twenty four, you could see a, a version of the Tea Party on the left that's serious, not what the Fox News and the right tells us is left wing fringe, but like a re- real version of that coming home to roost. So that's that. And then the second um, part of your question is, you know. I don't know where it goes from here. I think one of the things sometimes, I think we, you know, the Supreme Court's a big deal, but then I think Supreme Court justices throughout history have surprised everyone. You know, people on the on the right were surprised when John Roberts sided with the Affordable Care Act. Um, you know, and there's other examples like that. So, my concern sure. coming into this, I think Amish is right. I think it's over for the Supreme Court.
0: You were such an optimist, though, about the, free, the Supreme Court, but, but, you're, but you are okay, right. Well, what I'm saying is whether they
3: are able to do it before the election or not, they still have to end late January, even if Biden wins. They've got yeah. the Senate and Trump as president. They're going to get their picking. And my
0: The only people that wouldn't do it is maybe Democrats wouldn't do it, but yeah, Republicans well, are going to do it. <laughs>
3: Republicans are going to get their pick. Yeah, but but my only party. concern is that it's never
0: been done. Well, let me just say this it's never been done this close to election ever in history. So, like, well, but, but
3: that doesn't matter because it's, right? it's not. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just, that's, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of watching Democrats rerun all these Republican talking points from 2016. Yeah, yeah because it's like, it doesn't
2: matter because constitutionally there is nothing wrong with doing this. So, we're right. No, it's, it's The time so, frame doesn't matter because there is no time frame limitation within the Constitution itself. This is perfectly legal if the ball is in your court and you have the Senate. One of the reasons that Obama, yes, I, I wish Merrick Garland had have at least been called up for a vote, but even if he had have been called up for, for a vote, Democrats did not have the Senate and Merrick Garland, Garland still would have been shut down. The belief the Democrats had at the time was that, you know, Hillary Clinton was going to get in in that next in that next cycle. which is they,
0: more of the problem,
1: too, I think, because that's wrong. that's strategy based on hope again. Like it doesn't <laughs> work. You can't, your strategy well, can't be I hope this works out. And yeah. so no, I mean I, I think that one I I got to give Day a hat tip because he's pointed out previously that The issue, actually, the Democratic politicians, yes, they have an issue as far as being assertive and aggressive enough, but also the Democratic and and Americans in general, and this is Tunde's point, but I wanted to make sure it it gets made because it's such a good point, that they don't give their elected officials cover once they elect them in office. They sit back and say, all right, with Obama, his first two years, they said, we put you in office. All right, now we solve all the problems. They don't they don't give them cover they don't keep pushing the issues the way that you see on the right where they keep pushing that stuff over and over again and like the right puts their people in there to not compromise and so when they don't compromise or when they do then rules because hey we don't want to put Merrick Garland on so hey we won't even give them a vote their people cover them for that they're like yep yep we're good with it because we don't want Merrick Garland in there so Part of this has to, this is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And if the people don't want it enough, they're going to lose it. And that's what I think you see, is that people just don't want this enough on a day-to-day basis or on an election to election basis. Why do we have to work so hard to get people to to, to, to come out to vote? It's like, yo, clearly this isn't that important to you, except you just want to get on Twitter and complain about it. Well, if it's important to you, then show up and vote. And they're going to try to stop you from voting. You know how you can do that? You show up and vote, enough people will get through, and then they won't be able to keep doing that because they're going to be out of office. The whole Republican game is based on not everybody voting. Why do you think that is? Because they think they can pull it off. Like, yeah. so to me, you got to want it. They they demonstrate that they want it more than the rest of America does,
0: period. So what and as the long strategy? as that's the
1: case, they're going to, to
0: pull it off. Okay, so... Amisha, what should the strategy be of Democrats? Let's say, let's assume everybody that RBG's a, a replacement, you know, is going, looking that way that there's that, that it's going to be Trump that picks it. Should they now, should they now do what you say? Should they look at packing the court uh, to bring another two on? Should they look at uh, maybe making term limits, which they can do constitutionally too, uh, which I think actually would be popular from a, from Americans from a point of view anyway? Should they, add D.C. and or Puerto Rico as a state, what should be the strategy, assuming they win? The first strategy, you got to win. But let, the who, first
2: thing Democrats need to yeah, do. Let's
0: assume Democrats they can win. win. That's a hell of an you assumption, knowing Democrats.
2: The Senate. We have to be mindful that the presidency is not the only thing that's up for grabs. If Democrats right. don't have the Senate, this thing is dead in the water. With that, I think that they should have all strategies on the table. Previously, and um, he said it repeatedly, Joe Biden has been against Um, uh, expanding the court. He's been against expanding the court because under his belief system, should Democrats pull this as somewhat of a nuclear option, who's to stop Republicans when this thing tilts back the Democratic way from also expanding? And what's to stop the court from having 20, 30, 40 people on it when Either side gets frustrated because it's tilting in one direction. There is an argument to be made for that. But there's also an argument to be made for being weak when it looks like Republicans <laughs> are willing to go in and do everything and Democrats are always extremely cautious. That's my hold argument. On,
1: Amisha, right Amisha, now. Amisha, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's no argument to be made from that. What's to stop the Republicans from doing it? Well, what you're doing now isn't stopping the Republicans <laughs> from doing <laughs> <Don't know>. anything <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, saying,
2: like There's nothing to be said about it. Now, would, would more people support term limits? Who knows? Term limits could be a good idea. But I think that he has to do, if let's say Biden gets in and we get a, a, um, a Democratic Senate, they're going to have to mitigate this Trump pick. Because there is no way in hell he's not going to put somebody in um, before you know whomever gets this next election cycle, and even if he gets reelected again, he's definitely going to make sure that somebody is appointed before he would assume office a second time should he be reelected. I think that it's this places Puerto Rico and DC in terms of their statehood in a very interesting position, as all of you know, Puerto Rico and DC have been fighting for statehood statehood for decades now, even at times when there was a Democratic led presidency and um Senate and they never saw those arguments get the light of day. I think that it's very interesting on many points that now this is the move. Um, but I think that, you know, Republicans will fight it tooth and nail. Again, this is largely the- Of course, it'll,
0: it'll be, they'll lose power.
2: This is largely dependent on Democrats winning the Senate. If we're paying attention to the Senate races right now, there are several very tight ones. And there are ones that we saw some of that RBG, post-RBG fundraising money go to that honestly shouldn't have gotten it because they don't stand a snowball chance in hell of electing a Democratic senator. But I do think that we need to be very, very strategic about turnout for this vote. We need to make sure that people are not getting frustrated getting frustrated beyond belief and staying home. Because the biggest issue with this election cycle, and I think this goes back to somewhat of what James said a moment ago, is that there's people who just have lost faith in the system completely. There are people who feel very, um, very put down, very, um, very disinterested in what's going on, especially after they saw RBG passing and feel like the writing is on the wall. And there are people who honestly believe that Trump is going to win again and that Biden is not, you know, stepping up with as hard of a message as he should when we're watching, you know, what's going on in the country right now. And I think that all of those things put together makes it very difficult to predict what turnout is going to look like. Let's set aside the um, the impediments to to voting that we know are going to happen. We're watching the shifts with with the USPS system. We're watching what's going to happen with the with the polling places being shut down in various areas, with polling machines not working, with lines as long as hell. If people can stand in line for the PS5, if people can stand in line for Michael Jordan shoes and everything else, hell, they can stand in line for this. Or
0: Popeye's because chicken, that sandwich, sandwich that you food, love.
2: You have mm-hmm. to be you have to invest in it. And it if is like everything that we hold near and dear. Housing is on the ballot. Um, you know, LGBT rights are on the ballot. Civil rights are on the ballot. If you are not getting out and making sure that your voice is heard this election cycle, you don't have. a. I know people say this every election. You don't have a reason to complain. But no, there are some serious repercussions to people not getting out and voting this election cycle. And the Republicans are literally working day in and day out to make sure that they dismantle every bit of progress we've made.
0: Yeah. And the hope and, and the hope strategy, the hope that, uh, you know, that he that we picked that Trump picks somebody that may be fair is, a, is not a strategy, as James said. That's a it's a silly strategy because it's more likely that he will pick somebody that does that that agrees with stopping and frisk, that does not want to get rid of the status quo so well, we, we have to know
2: who his top two picks are he has yeah. Judge Lagoa out of Florida because he wants to win Florida and then he has um Amy Comey Barrett who is Midwest but she's also someone who tilts extremely far right she's not only you know had known for some of her racist litigation but also she's somebody who does not stand for any types of police reforms she has pushed anti-LGBT policies and she stood before courts and she was against that um she's somebody who we all know is extreme right extreme and, 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 you know, even right of President Trump and the Trump administration right now. So, no, he's not looking to have a moderation on this court at all. He's not looking to even have a John Roberts. He's only looking at judges who take extreme stances. Right. And that should be frightening to everyone.
0: It should be. And and, and so the, the loss of RGB, it, the biggest thing is it, it, right now, she was able to influence the court that was already right leaning to come to the middle. And she was able to talk to them and, and, and relate to people in a way and, and having that and having her gone like the other two there's no disrespect to them and maybe they'll evolve into the position but RBG was able to do it and kind of be a center balance for really the court now that part is gone and we could have somebody likely have somebody that wants just basically like having Mitch Mikado in the Senate I mean in the, in the in the actual judge judgeship which is actually very scary tune. day
3: yeah, no, I mean, look, <clears throat> I'm, I'm hearing it all. And, and to me, it's like, this is, the, this is the consequence of not being prepared and the spoils go to the winner. What I hope doesn't happen is that they, you know, the Democrats put on and pardon my friends on a live feed, but a shit show like what happened with Kavanaugh, because the reality is we have a Republican president and a Republican Senate. So the expectation for them to put someone that's not conservative on there is, is like smoking crack. I mean, you know, they have a right to pick the judge they want. And that's my point to Democrats, why to me, Democrats have just screwed this all up the last few decades, the Republicans are being rewarded for having a game plan. Like we said earlier, they focused on the courts, they told their voters how important the courts were all these years. From every topic they, they could come up, abortion, immigration, guns, all the stuff that is near and dear to them, they framed it around, you need to have the right judges. Remember during the Bush administration they called Anthony Kennedy an activist judge. I remember Tom Delay did that when he was speaker of the house because he went against something that Delay wanted and he said he had researched the, it on the internet. Because the internet was something new, Tom Delay used that politically against the court and said, "Look at this activist while the wacky liberal judge." And the guy wasn't even, you know, he's appointed by Reagan. So my point is is that Democrats need to stop responding and reacting if they wanna win ever again on a real way, not just a presidential election uh, once in a while, and not as a response to such bad governance by the Republicans, because in my lifetime, basically it's Bill Clinton who won because Ross Perot helped fracture the vote during a recession when Bush was unpopular, and Obama won after the worst financial crisis in a hundred, second worst in a hundred years, next to the Great Depression. And also that John McCain screwed up picking
0: Sarah Palin, and that so, and that Obama is this phenomenal candidate. And, too, and both Obama things,
3: yeah. and Clinton, as as kind of just politicians, are they walk on water? I mean, they're very they're like Reagan, very skilled at communicating. Correct. So Democrats have not been able to get over the hump with just a regular kind of candidate, given a regular Democratic message, and. Because you know, there is James no way did,
0: because to your point, Tunde, there's not a consistent message. Like
3: there, there's look, not but it's also to James's point that they don't still they still don't really understand their opponent and don't respect what the opponent's willing to do in the fight.
2: Exactly. And
3: they're coming to a knife fight, a gun fight with a knife in a sense, or whatever yeah. the and way you And they're
1: coming to a gun fight with a bou- bouquet of flowers. Yeah, <laughs> not, Like, yeah, it's,
3: it's, you
2: know. no, and that,
1: and That's my point, James. Because and
3: that's my concern is that they're going to go into the Supreme Court fight like they did with Kavanaugh, and make it worth it. Yeah, make it a shit show. show. You don't
2: have the voices you don't have the people e-
3: exactly, yeah. and in the end, to me. Kavanaugh was like a regular Republican judge. He wasn't like a psycho right wing, you know, bigot type. And they almost if they were to succeed in derailing him, my thought was, well, Trump's just going to appoint the most right wing person ever just to stick it in their eye and they'll win that one. So I'm not saying Democrats shouldn't put up some sort of fight that oh, they, they whatever, they, but it has to be strategy, but that's what I mean like they got to accept that okay this one's over we screwed up this journey so far, and whether Biden wins or not like we just said, Trump's got till the end of January with a Republican Center he's going to get his pick.
0: Yeah, I What's mean, I, I, was still, like, I, would, I would still make it difficult, like, because Republicans would do that, too. There is think,
2: no way to make it difficult. You mean just okay, argue right. to argue? Yes, we're going to. No, that's what
0: I mean. The do only do way it. to make it difficult risks you getting more egg on your face. Well, exactly. that's what I would I'm say saying. this. <laughs> let me just say this really quick.
2: And it could backfire for you electorally because. No, correct. I agree. All you're going to do is turn out the Republican base.
0: Correct. <laughs> just come just out anyway. focus I, on motivating your base. Well, I agree with that. Let me go to that point. And I think. One Democrat should, should you can make a commercial based on what I just said. Like I don't think a lot of people understand that Supreme Court can take away your rights, and like people understand that. But then Joe Biden or running, they have to say this is what we're going to do. They should because you know what? If Republicans actually believe, they don't believe that they're going to do these things. If they believe that they would add Puerto Rico, DC, and pack the courts, Republicans would think twice about doing this because they're saying, well, maybe do we want to actually do that? If they don't believe. Republicans well, just
2: don't think that they're, they don't think that um, Biden yeah. is actually going to take the White House. No. That's no, what I'm trying to it say. Republicans, yeah, they don't don't. Republicans they shoot that this, first. This, that's this, it. Whoever yeah. they bring out their folks. It, it's
3: very, sci- oh, sorry. It's very psychological. I'm sorry, Misha, I, 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 to cut you off there. It's um, because here's what rings out to me, guys. Sarah Palin said something that I was naive to at the time, but in the last 12 years, I've come to really understand what she meant watching the progression of our national politics. She said, when Obama got elected, we gotta take our country back. Oh, okay. But think about what she said. There's a certain part of this country that will fight to hold on to whatever they perceive as their country. Then there's a lot of the rest of us who have accepted the fact that, that almost like we're renting space here from them. That's the psychology here. We're not fighting like we want this shit. The people in DC and Puerto Rico, what you need to do is not to scare Republicans, you need to motivate those voters to say, I need 100% participation from DC and Puerto Rico so that when I win, I turn you into a state. And, And that's the problem with Democrats, to your point. They'd be doing it thinking about how they can game Republicans. Republicans correct, don't care about correct, Democrats. Correct. correct <laughs> Republicans correct. only care they about they, Democrats they, to they run they, over them. Period. Yeah. the ones
2: that they think are and there's
3: no there's no like there's them. no love going to be shared in this whole kumbaya that Biden's talking about. And I'm not right. and I'm not the kind of guy that wants to advocate conflict. I'd like to have both sides wanting to compromise and each one come away from the table not 100% happy because they all had to give up something. I'm just saying that the opponent of the Democrats does not behave that way.
0: But they're the opponent. I want to make this clear of Jane's point. They're the opponent of democracy right now because yeah. they don't believe in rights for people. They don't believe in uh, people voting equally. That is anti-American. That's what that is. So yeah. this well, re- reason well, why I don't me, like framing let me, I this. I want to get in, on with one, of these,
1: get in with one of these strategy points. Um, I do think the, the all of the options you know should definitely be on the table. Um, Amisha did a good job of running through but once she didn't say which I think should be the number one priority if the Democrats are able to, to win some elections and that is to get rid of the filibuster your point well, yeah. is well Can't taken take that that. yeah your point is well taken as far as that the Republican Party is very anti-democratic very authoritarian right now um, that's objective. If you measure that objectively, like I was uh, looking at something with Tunde the other day where they're measuring this based on center-right parties around the world. And the Republican is a very, or the Republican party is most similar to like the, 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 the authoritarian party in Turkey right now. And so that being said, but the filibuster is also anti-democratic. And so that's something that can be, we can get rid of. And that vestige of a, a, be, a, a bygone era, era. Um, look, if you got the votes in the Senate, they they they, they got rid of it already for judges. Um, they need to get rid of it for everything else because we can't have forty judges representing thirty something percent of the people in the country, or not judges, forty senators representing thirty something percent of the people in the country because the Senate is already a. a, a an institution that does not equally represent all Americans. Um, The the people in Wyoming have just as many senators as the people in California. Well, if you let 40 senators shut everything down, then you can't get anything done. So the first thing they have to do is get rid of the filibuster and not thinking about what the Republicans will do if they do it. Like everything the Democrats do can't be about, oh, well, if we do this, then the Republicans will do something. Like, no, no, no. You have to get rid of the filibuster because it's anti-democratic. And then you can go from there and try to make moves and make things happen with the support of your people, with the support of the people who want you to make things better economically, make, make things more fair economically, or who want you to make sure that everyone is guaranteed equal rights. There are people, they're, they're called Americans, who want that stuff. And there are people who are fighting against that stuff, and they're called Republicans. And so if you want to make that stuff happen, then you, you set up things as democratically as you can, and then you go ahead and make it happen.
0: I completely agree. I mean, before any of this can happen, before D.C. can happen, before Puerto Rico can happen, before you can do anything with the courts, the filibuster has to go. And that's going to be the first test because there are going to be some 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 Democrats to say, well, we want to be reasonable. Do we want to do the nuclear option? There is. Listen, you have nothing left. There is nothing left. <laughs> there is nothing else to do.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> so, that. Mitch McConnell will go down in history, whether people like it or not, as one of the most effective majority leaders this nation has ever yeah. seen. Most powerful
3: Uh, man in the world
2: right now. But he also became the most powerful under the president, under this crazed ass president himself. Like Mitch McConnell's level of power and the power, you know, drive and focus he has utilized during his time um, It is one that is not comparable to anything that we've seen in this country before. And I think that that's something that people have to be mindful of. Again this and this and he's not going to lose his Senate race by the way. So we, we just have to be very strategic. Democrats have to be very strategic because that's something that Republicans have always been. They're in this for the long game. They are in this to make sure that they are mounting and building those assaults at the state level. Um, and then now they've also mounted and build it, built several at the federal level and they will soon have the Supreme Court. So for you know Biden and anybody who thinks like Biden on this and I think that this is where the the, the moderate piece sometimes can can hurt you more than anything else, Um, he's going to have to do things that he wouldn't normally have to do because we're in an era that we're not normally in. So I think that this is going to be one of those points where Democrats are going to have to flex muscle because Republicans aren't going to stop. And if you don't, then they're just going to keep beating your head.
0: Listen to me, Democrats, everything in moderation, even moderation. You can't be moderate in every fucking thing. Some things you have to fight for. Because you know what, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Robert Greene, which we had a great episode with him before. Look back on the show. At 48 laws of power. Everybody respects the bold. Nobody respects the weak. Nobody, your own voters won't respect you that are voting for you. So this is a time we have to move. And if we don't, like first of all, we have to win. And then when we win, we have to do something. We have to do something that you normally wouldn't do. These are not normal times, as the Misha said. And the country is depending on you. This is not just like about Democrats, and Republicans. This is about the advancement of rights, where we're going to be as a country. And we have to change because this is not working. Like I saw Obama came out and said, Well, we should wait till after the election to do this just like they did with me. As if these people care about your opinion. They don't they do not care. They don't care. I wish they, they don't do
3: care.
1: <laughs> they did not care when he was president. No, it's
3: funny because I was talking to James earlier on the phone just having a random conversation. And, and that's what I we were talking about. I said it. I go just watching like, you know, we're on September 23rd. If this is, you know, seen in the future of, of 2020. And I said, you know, just looking at the last weekend in the optics of Trump is being bold and he doesn't give a shit. He's doing these rallies. And I said, I turn on the MSNBC and all they do is bitch about the fact no one was wearing masks. And I go, you guys didn't learn anything from 2016. You're, you're setting yourself up to lose because it's it's sad, but it's true about what Robert Greene said. There's something um, in the lizard brain, you know, in our deep psychology and our, just our emotional state that boldness, you kind of respect it and weakness you don't, period. And even the optics of Joe Biden giving kind of speeches in an empty hall and with a mask on and all that versus Trump with his, you know, thousands of people in his crowd and he doesn't give a fuck about a mask, sorry, pardon my French. What I'm saying is whether I disagree or not with either one, just one is showing me that he wants me more. He's sh- he like, you know what I mean? Like Trump is like showing like He's willing me- to
2: die or kill everybody in the audience as well.
3: Yeah, yeah no, but what I'm saying is, but no, but that's <laughs> where, what, but saying. that's what the human brain will say no, is no, I get this you. guy's fighting for me and my vote and this other guy's kind of being tepid and weak. And which one is, is the average voter who's not all into this stuff like we are, that doesn't know every little fact and detail and they just kind of show up once in a while to the news and other times at work and taking their family, they're going to they're gonna go with the guy that looks like he's bold and cares and, and is just punching through walls, so, not the guy me, who kind of looks like he's
1: half-stepping. Is this hypothetical person someone that's in America, though? Like, everybody's pretty much made up their mind at I this agree. point. Like, Trump's not over here getting, winning new people right now. He's not even trying to. He's trying no, to... No, like, but I, I think what, what he's doing feet. is...
3: what. No, but here's what I see, and I know my personal life is anecdotal. It doesn't represent 300 million people, but... What I saw was people that I know that were supportive of him up until kind of the mix between COVID and the kind of George Floyd stuff. They were really on the fence. They were starting to say. They were never well, on the fence. <laughs> well, well,
2: that. well, at least they I mean, Let me just tell you, now.
3: they, so w- they were, have, let's yeah. put it this way. They verbalized being on the fence. Now they don't. Now they're right
1: back in his corner. Well, but that and may have just, been their own. That may have been their own like coping mechanism. No, right. no,
2: Trump uh, was no. smart enough to move back to something they cared about. So there were some Republicans who did feel a little antsy about certain things. And then Trump came back to the, oh, you know, white women in the suburbs, folks moving into houses, people of color moving to low income housing next door. He basically fell on the tropes that we've seen throughout American history Work right. for white people. So he yeah, said, OK, well, I, if it's always if it ain't broken. I think part of it, you guys I are paying attention. If
3: Biden was better, he,
1: if the Democrats were better, they could have captured some of
3: that. Well,
0: hold on. Hold on. Well, hold on. Well, James, go.
1: If Trump can get on TV and say he's grabbing on body, you know what? And then ha- not lose an ounce of support. He literally could get out in the street and, and shoot people, and and that's it. And and, and he would not lose a vote. Yeah, like I, I'm bad. telling you. Correct. Like, that was a People take. may say he that they they are
2: on TV until it was released. He didn't say that in a live telecast.
1: Oh, it wasn't live, oh, but, but it was but, taped. Okay, that, that, that made all the difference in the world. <laughs> if it was live, it was No, like, but you, oh, you know what? Oh, to James's
3: point, the, tape that, the yeah. tape that came out from the Woodward book about his knowledge and deep understanding of the COVID risk in February, yeah. that, that, when that happened and no one black batted an eye, I believe what James just said. Damn, like Donald Trump could kill somebody on tape and he wouldn't There's, be down under 40 The 40%. only question
1: here is who wants
0: it more? The people yes, who are down for exactly Trump it. are down for Trump. I think it's on the voters more this time. than yeah, won, like, the, it Yeah, like because Yeah, nothing's really actually changed in the polls.
2: I think it's yeah. on the Electoral College this time, just like it was last time. Yeah. And the Electoral College hasn't necessarily been greatly moved. If you look at the map now versus the map, you know, Four years ago, there isn't that much of a change, which I think is more disturbing than anything else. Yo, I'll
1: tell you this: I would like to believe with the with the direction you we're going, but I just can't. Like, think of all of the things that have happened over the past 12 months. Trump is just as popular now as he was before. Like, that's so mind-boggling. Like, <laughs> because I've said go.
0: this, we we've said this before, and this is why Democrats running can't act like they're sub, like they're pro, like they're promoting to some mysterious moderate voter, like do what you believe fight for what you believe and people will follow you that's just this is i mean I, this sounds basic because it kind of is but like democrats have to have to feel like they're 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 moderating their position and they're just saying we're not we are nice. We're not like that bad guy. That's a horrible strategy. Like, <laughs> so, like, it's the better strategy is to say, this is what's going wrong with the country. This is how we're going to make it better. And this is why we are better leaders. We're
2: consistently pointing out Trump's wrongs. Everybody knows, hell, Trump knows his wrongs. He says it all the time. Everybody knows he's wrong. I like, you trying to steal the election? He says, yes. He's waving the flag <laughs> of trying to steal the election. He does, this is not anything that he's been hiding, it is blatant. So I think that you know Democrats have to have a different strategy and it's not everything that's wrong with Trump it is what is our reason for supporting you it is what are the things that you're going to bring to the table it is what are those policy goals that you have and it can't be something that that we've seen Republicans easily chip away at if it is we're going to protect obamacare well it, it, tell us exactly how when the Republicans right now are about to pick a supreme court justice and announce you know and announce one within within by the end of the week like we know that this is going to happen <laughs>
0: Yep. No, I agree. The first Listen,
2: thing they want to knock off is Obamacare because it is up again before the Supreme Court in November.
0: Yeah. And, and and people will like a lot of Republicans won't like that decision, people. But you know what? Sometimes people have to know that fire burns, shit stinks. Like it matters who's in office. It matters who the judges are. And but we need to. And I hope Democrats understand why they they need to win this election and they need to appeal to their voters. They need to uh, motivate their voters because you're not convincing Trump voters. If Jesus Christ came back today and was running, he would lose Trump. If Muhammad ran, Gandhi, I don't care who you pick. Trump voters are not moving. I want Democrats to really understand this. Everybody running, do not think you can convince a Trump voter. You cannot. It is a flawed strategy. It is a stupid strategy. It is a losing strategy. Do not do it. Please listen to the sound of my voice if any of you listen to this. You probably don't, but I've just given my advice. That's really a hey, last word on anybody. I think we've covered it pretty well about the strategy with, uh, with uh, RBG what's going on and the legacy. She's leads. It's a, it's a big hole that's being, that's being left. And I hope people understand. And this can be a turning point for us because sometimes people have to go through a little bit of pain in order to make progress. I wish we didn't have to do that, but I don't know. It seemed like that's the case, but that's the last word. Anybody else? Last word.
1: Yeah, I'd just like to say, um, you know, I, I, I thought that one of the things that was lost in this was in in the entire country's reaction following the passing um, of RBG was just that we didn't get a chance to really to mourn and to, to really appreciate, I thought, um, what she meant and who she was. And I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity. Everything jumped straight to, I mean, and I get it, it's very juicy to jump straight to the, the, the Supreme Court and the implications and, and so forth. And there's a lot of things up in the air right now that everybody cares a lot about. But RBG was, you know, was a remarkable woman and, you know, a great American. And, you know, it, it's, although, you know, there, things go on, obviously. I mean, and that's kind of what you see with this. But taking a moment just to reflect on, you know, how far our country has come, you know, that long arc does still bend in a way that, You know that we would be proud of um and you know we still i I would say you know one of the the interesting things about all this is that right now you can argue for the first time uh, that the people who have equality front of mind or at least would like the country to try to do the right thing probably outnumber the people who want there to be a rigid hierarchy based on you know certain set things that they hold dear um we probably outnumber them. So, you know, and that, that's, but that's not, doesn't mean that the people who want to oppress, the people who want to, to make the playing field unequal um, we're going to give up. That means they're going to work harder. Um, but even with all that, that fight will still be there tomorrow. Uh, I just want to say that, you know, like it, it RB, RBG was an inspiration and, you know, it, it, the, her, her service to her country is something that, you know, we'll look back at one for generations and be proud of. I agree.
3: and Tunde. I mean, that's that's a great follow. uh, You know, I don't have much to follow up on there. What I do want to say is, as James made that statement about, you know, people that want equality most likely are the majority of this country um, at this point um, of all races, uh, put it together. Um, But I want to remind the audience, too, that this is why this stuff is important. You know, South African apartheid existed for decades and a lot of people lived very difficult lives under that. And the Afrikaans, the white South Africans, never numbered more than about 10% of the population. Correct. So you don't need to have, just because you got all these numbers, doesn't mean that, you know, you know a minority can't take control if they are the ones actually putting in the work. And I think that's well, what, what it, we're talking about today is that, you know, to, <laughs> to your point earlier about, you know, my comments about Obama, you know, everyone who was excited when he got in but no one matched that Tea Party of the energy from about 2010 to 2016. And it's reflected now. So, you know, I think a lot of people that support um, Democratic ideas, uh, meaning the Democratic Party ideas, need to also look in the mirror after this election and say, how are you gonna stay engaged in between elections and in midterms and not just show up every four years when it's the big shiny object of a president?
0: Yep, Amisha.
2: Um, I think that James kind of took it away earlier, but I would would add that this is an election that is, I, I don't want to say it's an existential threat. I think that people have said that far, far and wide, way too much, but this is an election that for me specifically goes beyond partisanship. If you're somebody who cares about women's rights, if you're somebody who cares about uh, healthcare, if you're somebody who cares about civil rights, if you're somebody who just cares about us following the order of the law and having our constitution actually be lived and breathed by our elected leaders, then this is an election where there is not two choices. This is an election where we must get rid of Donald Trump, but it's also an election where the Senate is going to really matter. Um, we know that the power of the Senate has gone up dramatically uh, versus the intent when it was when when it was created under the Constitution, but. With that being said, that power that is vested in it is largely um, very, very helpful to have when the presidency is also in your court. What we're looking forward to this election cycle is that people will actually, you know, not just use their Twitter fingers, not just hashtag, but also get out and vote. Um, I'm seeing celebrity after celebrity. I just saw another football player today. This is his first time actually participating in an election at all. Dude has been alive for 34 years. Um, I, I don't think that he's an irregularity in America at all. What we need is for people, even if it is your first time, hell, this is a great first time to do it because this is an election that is literally going to change the course of America as we know it. We are currently watching America take an authoritarian slide. And it only takes so much before you fall fully away from democracy and into a world that is unrecognizable to people who grew up in this country. And I think that this is one of those elections where if you do not have your voice heard, if you do not step out front, if you do not fight and match the fight of the Republican party right now, then it's going to be, we're going to be in a place where we'll never be able to come back from.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you ended it well. A great book on this is about why nations fail. It really goes to Amisha's point, and I think people should read it. And I want people who believe in not only democracy, but that believe in capitalism. Walk with me. For capitalism to work properly in order for it to actually have economic inclusion, we have to have an inclusive economy, which means that you can't have a centralized power that ignores the rule of law because guess what they happen to do? They take everybody's rights. Because there is no rule of law. So it's really interesting that you have a party right now that is supposed to believe in limited government that believes in unlimited power for the executive in the office, that he can, that they can violate any rules. It doesn't matter. Because here's why that should matter. Because at any point, they can take away your rights. And so if you believe in innovation, if you want to see societies move forward, societies that are less inclusive are less prosperous. End of discussion across the board. And so America has done better because we've been more inclusive in our economics and we haven't been perfect, but we've been more inclusive. And the less inclusive we become, the less opportunities that will happen for everybody. So this election is not about Democrat or or Republican, as Amisha said, as everybody's made clear, it's about the future direction of America and what it means to be an an American and what America is. Is that ideal going to continue or are we going to be something else? We'll see you in November. Until then, I'll see you next time. I'm Rob Richardson.
3: I'm James Keyes. I'm Tunde Romano.
2: I'm Amisha Cross.
0: We'll see you next time.